This is a horror podcast. It exists to provoke and alarm and unnerve. None of us will judge you if you turn away. But if you wish to proceed, it's your choice. Yours and yours alone. There is no God. Love is impossible. There is no escape from a cold, uncaring universe. Love is a lie. God is your enemy. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. And there's only a little bit more to go. Come on, off we go. Episode 87. We left him with the dragging man. Blood. Bright where the shaft of sun falls on it. Dark in corners where the flies gather. Gristling every surface, fat waxy beads of flesh and blood. Stickiness stripping on slender threads. We stand in the doorway. Bodies have come to pieces here. We can smell them. Taste them. In the doorway we stand, boys, shocked and wordless. In the dark, before something moves... Help. A weak and broken voice. Help me. Barely there at all. Please help me. Four boys running across a field as fast as their bodies will let them. Come on. Come on. Come on for Christ's sake. Cormac Sultry, short and stout, covers ground with a speed that belies his size, vaulting the low slant-angled fence he hits the corrugated earth. Staggering, stiff-legged for a step impact knocking the hat from his head. It lies upturned, unheeded on clay. Sultry stares at a horizon hammering up and down with footfalls, arms like pistons, breaths shredding between grimacing teeth. Salt sweat pinches eyelids. Nothing will slow him. Boots thump against the dirt behind, flattening the hat like a careless pet. Kevin Shields, huge, unmoulded, left hand on right shoulder tight, trying to keep the blood within. A rose is blossoming under his fingers, turning the green of his jersey brown. Curly hair bouncing, jug ears bright red, Kevin hollers through crooked teeth. Carmack! 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 Nothing will convince Sultry to turn, to look back. Close behind, in the wake of Shield's ungainly frame, I run. I've lost a shoe to the lip of the ditch, and a stitch is folding the breath out of me. Slapping a palm to settle my glasses, I leave a smudge across one lens, blurring the back of the boys. My other hand plunges in pockets. My inhaler. Where's my inhaler? Left it behind. With little Tommy Sweetenham, foot swallowed by a rabbit hole, pitches forward, heels of his hands and knees hitting the turf, shrill screams bursting his hamster's cheeks. No, don't leave me! Can't catch my breath. Pins in the heart of me, Cormac a distant smudge, Kevin loping after him and Tommy struggling, blonde head pressed to the mud. I take the softness of his hand, drag him to his feet. We laughed him. Tears carve pink in the muck. We just left him. I grab him by the sleeve and haul him over the tumbled fence. And the last of us, the fifth boy, Albie Gorman. Where's Albie Gorman? 
we left him with the dragging man. The five of us were friends because no one else would have us. Cormac Sultry was bossy and arrogant and short-tempered and always convinced he was in the right. He wore a cap, like a gang leader, in his comics. Kevin Shields was slow and his father was strange and his mother took a knife to her wrists a month before school began. Tommy Sweetnam was soft and gentle and while all the rest of us were growing up, he remained a baby, younger than us, in every way. And me, stricken with pneumonia at an early age and never truly recovered, a sickly air hung around me and made me cold and distant, happy to wait and listen. And Albie Gorman was... Albie Gorman. We came together, the scraps and odds and ends, friends because no one else would have us. We learned that Cormac was fearless and cunning and clever, and Kevin was kind and loyal and loved his kittens, and Tommy was an artist, such a voice. He'd sing for us behind the water tower. He was good like that. And me? I'd listen. I was there for them. Even Albie Gorman. Screams, bringing children around corners, pressing teachers against windows, sending Joe, the caretaker, racing across the tarmac. Tommy finds me by the rose bushes. He's doing it. Doing it again. Leaving my lunch on the wall, I run up the slope, along prefabs to the gravel behind the boiler, pushing through gathered children, Cormac and Kevin already there. So is Albie Gorman. Kneeling on the small of Pascal Given's back, one hand worked in twining in his hair, Albie presses the trapped boy's head down among the sharp and scraping stones. Given's voice, the high shriek of a pet crushed in a closing door. Help me, help me, help me! No one moves. Because the look on Albie Gorman's face, that placid concentration, the tongue tip in the corner of his mouth, softly, serenely, he twists Pascal Given's arm. Eyes bulging pale bubbles close to popping. Free hand slapping and clawing gravel. Pascal can do nothing as Albie drags the limb around and up the length of his back. It resists for a moment. We all hear it. Pascal's scream rises until, at the edge of hearing, it empties him. Still, he lies on gravel. Only then does Albie Gorman look at his audience. Cormac impassive and Kevin sick and Tommy distraught. Why, Albie? Albie looks at us as if the answer's obvious, as if we're stupid. He smiles. I wanted to see his new watch. The limp wrist, red and purple, and the yellow plastic of a strap. Albie Gorman shrugs. He wouldn't let me, so I made him. Joe, the caretaker, lifts the boy from the gravel, pushes his way through the children. Albie's smile widens. What's the problem? I didn't take it. Joe puts Pascal on the back seat of his car. A curve of kids and teachers stare down at Albie Gorman, wondering what he is capable of. What he will do next. Albie Gorman squats on haunches. It didn't land on its feet. He prods the white kitten. I thought they were always supposed to land on their feet. He rises as Kevin gathers the limp thing in his hands. His silent tears huge and bright and awful. Maybe I kicked it too hard. Give me another one, Kevin. Let's try again. And next... How high can you sing, Tommy? They sit behind the water tower, watching traffic pass. Tommy plucks at his sleeve. Um, 
To know? Try for me. What, um, what song do you want, Albie? Surprise me. This is, um, this is something Mammy and her sister sing. <sighs> Come and look out through the window. That big old moon is shining down. Can you go higher? Tell me now, don't it remind you? Higher. Of a blanket on the ground. Let me help. Hands close on Tommy's throat. Tighter and tighter. Albie Gorman. Brown haired and blue eyed. And all of us. So scared of him. He lived with his grandmother and little sister until, one day, he lived with just his grandmother. And he smiled. All the time he smiled and stared and we learned that life was easier when he got his own way. The four of us, we became friends because no one else would have us. But we weren't friends with Albie Gorman. He didn't know the meaning of the word. Once, he found me by the rose bushes sat beside me. I settled my glasses. Are you okay, Albie? He ran his finger over thorns, snapped a budding rose from its stem. Why are they scared of me? Stomach a cold plunge, I replied. Who, Albie? He plucked a curved leaf, flicked it in the air. The rest of the class. Another red leaf fell. The people who say they're my friends... Scraps of rose settled on his lap. His blue eyes did not blink. You? Wanted to run. Could feel my chest collapsing. Fingers searched for my inhaler. Finally, I found my voice. You, you hurt people. You don't know how strong you are. And when you hurt them, you don't care. He smiled. Horrible. I hurt people. Is that so? My inhaler. Where? He tapped his lap. Curls of soft red plucked from the bulb. I stared at them. Eat them. Eat them. His hands curled in fists, imminent things, breath dragging, throat and neck enclosing. I bent. With numb lips, I plucked a leaf from the lap of Albie Gorman. Chewed. Swallowed. I sat back. He smiled, patted my cheek. We're friends. We're kind to each other. We play games. His fingers rested for a long time. Don't be scared of me. I don't want that. He left. The taste. The taste of roses. No more. Says Cormac Sultry. Something has to be done. He slams his fist into the palm of his hand the way they do it on TV. We're in Tommy's house, in his bedroom. Kevin sits on the floor. Tommy and I sit on his bed. Cormac strides, repeating. Something has to be done. Something, something has to be done. But what? Silence falls. 
It is Kevin who solves our problem. I know a place. Dad tells me. The place where he and Mam went. Terrible place. There's a, a thing inside it. The dragging man. That's what she called it. It it had a hold of her and it wouldn't let go, dragging her into the dark. It has no hands and no feet, but it it holds you tight. In the end, she had to cut herself away. Kevin looks at the biscuit-coloured kitten in his lap. We can leave Albie with the dragging man. Cormac has that look. A plan, falling softly into place. He replaces his hat. Yes. That half-away look, working the angles. Yes. Deciding the way the world will work. But we all have to agree. All of us. Yes. Yes, I say, after a moment. Tommy rests his head on folded arms. I can't. <gasps> it's, it's not right. Cormac looks at me and nods his head. I put my hand on Tommy's arm. Tommy, I say, he hurts people. Someone has to do something before something awful happens. Tommy shakes his head. You know he has it in him. I touch the bruises on his neck. Why us? Because we're his friends, I say. He trusts us. Tommy looks at me. Do you think we should? I nod. Okay. Albie Gorman, looking in, brown-haired, blue-eyed and smiling. Secret meeting. Was I not invited? Can I come in? Am I not your friend? Gormick clears his throat. He has a plan. Always. We're planning a camping trip, Albie. It was going to be a surprise. Albie grins, like something glistening on a surgical glove. Count me in. Down we go, by Wishing Lane and up into the woods and hills. Cormac Sultry leads the way and Kevin Shields, close to guide. Next is me and Tommy Sweetnam. Last of all is Albie Gorman, smiling at sunlight through the trees and throwing sticks at birds. Five boys on a camping trip. Singing. Laughing. Looking back at Albie Gorman. Kevin points. There is a house, dark and broken, in the crease where two hills meet. Here. Here's where we camp. And Kevin stares at the door ajar and the black windows, and we must call his name three times. Slowly and slanting, the tent goes up. Why straighten it? It won't be slept in. We watch Albie Gorman wander up the overgrown path. He presses his face against dirty glass runs his fingers along the splintered wood. Albie turns, his grin the gleam of a freshly dropped turd. Dump. What do you think happened here? Kevin makes a strange sound deep in the back of his throat and Cormac coughs to cover. (laughs) Albie, let's explore. A single bead of sweat crystals his brow. Let's explore. Albie Gorman looks at us and our stomachs freeze over. Time turns to creaking slowness. After an age, Albie puts his shoulder to the door. He shunts recalcitrant wood aside. Cormac and I follow him. 
Tommy a pace behind, and Kevin staying where he is. We go in and find filth and broken furniture and stained rags on the floor, a fireplace clogged with leaves, a cracked mirror returning our shadowed faces in pieces, peeling wallpaper, swollen wood, a shaft of sun trapping a zittering fly, and there is a smell of beer, sharp and bloated, making our heads swim. And there is something in the darkness beyond. Moving slowly through the other rooms. I look at Cormac, my chest a pinched on breathing. He nods, and the thing we have come to find leaves the darkness for the light. It passes the doorway and stands there, looking at us. Pink, wet, ribbed, a worm trying its best to be a man. It has no feet. It has no hands. Its arms and legs go on and on. The dragging man. Children, stay with me. Stay with me. Albie Gorman's smile disappears. For the first time there's a look. Confusion, almost. Almost panic. What? Now! We grab and we push. We are not strong. Alvy Gorman will not be moved. Children, stay with me in the dark. And the scream, not the dragging man, not Alvy Gorman. Kevin shields thundering down the path, bursting through the doorway. You kicked him! Kicked him to pieces! He grabs Alvy Gorman and with his strength added to ours, we force Alvy further in. Dirt and rags entwining in our feet, it dawns on him. Leaving me! You're trying to leave me here. And Albie Gorman fights us, pushes us back. I trip on the broken sill of the door. Five boys falling, tumbling into summer suns, but Kevin is not quick enough. Albie Gorman digs his nails into his chest, feet scrabbling for perches on the tall boy's thighs. Get him off me! Get him off me! Cormac and me, we take Albie by the arms and try to pull him from Kevin. Albie's teeth close upon the meat of his shoulder and when finally we manage to wrench him off, a long wet string comes away in his mouth. Blood gushes and Kevin collapses and Tommy is softly sick through threaded fingers. Kevin's hands flap at the wounds down neck and shoulder. Cormac! Cormac! Not my idea, not my idea. And as Albie readies himself to pounce again as the dragging man drifts through the room, I see there is a stout branch in the grass by the front door. I pick it up and break it across the forehead of Albie Gorman. His eyes roll up in his head. (coughs) He steps backwards, puts his hand upon the blood licking over an eyebrow. Without a sound, the handless arms of the dragging man close over his throat, over his chest, and it is almost a loving thing. Albie Gorman is dragged into the dark. Slowly, the door of the broken house closes. We stand there, looking at the door, for a very long time. Pack up. Pack up and home. Cormac, the blood's not stopping. It it won't stop. No. No. Hurry. We busy ourselves. There are noises. We try to ignore them. And there are shadows behind the dirty windows. Tommy Sweetnam. We are busy. Before we can stop him, he is down the path. He is through the door. Tommy sweeten him. He was good like that. Albie! Albie! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! We are behind him, shouting, reaching out to pull him back, but we are too late. We enter the house again. Blood, bright where the sun falls on it, dark in the corners where the flies gather. We stand in the doorway, shocked and wordless. 
A body has come to pieces. Something moves. Help. A weak and broken voice. Help me. Barely there at all. Please help me. We look down at the twisted thing cowering in the corner. He got out. Whispers the dragging man, staring with his one remaining eye. Couldn't hold him. Help me. The bruises. The bite marks. The severed limbs. Run! Four boys running as fast as they can across the field. And where's the fifth boy? Where's Albie Gorman? We find out, one by one. Cormac, by knife in the car park, flashes on his palms and chest. He fought. July 26th. Kevin, at the foot of the garden, black bruises on his throat. The last straw for his father. The kittens left to starve. August 5th. Tommy, in his bed, a pillow over his face. So small and delicate, you'd think he was asleep. August 17th. And me? I wait now for Albie Gorman. And what words will be exchanged before... I wait, remembering four boys running across a field as fast as their bodies would let them, remembering the taste of roses, seeing a body disappearing into dark. We were young. We were scared. We left him with the dragging man. And down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down Below the Reservoir is written by Graeme Tugwell and performed by Sarah Maria Griffin, Dave Rudden, Deirdre Sullivan and Graeme Tugwell. This podcast is recorded and sound designed at Displace Studios Dublin and produced by Rebecca Gimblet. Down Below the Reservoir is a work of fiction and any resemblance to places or people living or dead is purely coincidental. A new episode of Down Below the Reservoir is available every two weeks through iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play and at downbelowthereservoir.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. Only through your support and donations is Down Below the Reservoir made possible. Join us. And remember, everyone drinks the water here. <laughs>